when I published Ulysses by James Joyce in my little bookshop called Shakespeare and Company in Paris. Look, look, the dust is growing. My branches laugh large in the Stately, plump, bug bargain. All perfume, yes, and his heart was going like mad. And yes, I said yes, I will, yes. Friends of Shakespeare and Company read Ulysses by James Joyce. Read today by Erica Wagner. The caretaker moved away a few paces and put on his hat, had enough of it. The mourners took heart of grace one by one, covering themselves without show. Mr. Bloom put on his hat and saw the portly figure make its way deftly through the maze of graves. Quietly, sure of his ground, he traversed the dismal fields. Hines jotting down something in his notebook. Ah, the names! But he knows them all. No, coming to me. I am just taking the names, Hines said below his breath. What is your Christian name? I'm not sure. L, Mr. Bloom said. Leopold. And you might put down McCoy's name, too. He asked me to. Charlie, Hines said, writing. I know. He was on the Freeman once. So he was, before he got the job in the morgue under Lewis Byrne. Good idea, a post-mortem for doctors. Find out what they imagine they know. He died of a Tuesday, got the run. Levanted with the cash of a few ads. Charlie, you're my darling. That was why he asked me to. Oh, well, does no harm. I saw to that, McCoy. Thanks, old chap, much obliged. Leave him under an obligation. Costs nothing. And tell us, Hines said, do you know that fellow in the, fellow was over there in the, he looked around, Mackintosh. Yes, I saw him, Mr. Bloom said. Where is he now? Mackintosh, Hines said, scribbling. I don't know who he is. Is that his name? He moved away, looking about him. No, Mr. Bloom began, turning and stopping. I say, Hines, didn't hear. What? Where has he disappeared to? Not a sign. Well, of all the... Has anybody here seen? K-E-L-L. Become invisible. Good Lord. What became of him? A seventh gravedigger came beside Mr. Bloom to take up an idle spade. Oh, excuse me. He stepped aside nimbly. Clay, brown, damp began to be seen in the hole. It rose, nearly over. A mound of damp clods rose more, rose, and the gravediggers rested their spades, all uncovered again for a few instants. The boy propped his wreath against a corner. The brother-in-law, his on a lump. The gravediggers put on their caps and carried their earthy spades towards the barrow, then knocked the blades lightly on the turf, clean. One bent to pluck from the haft a long tuft of grass. One, leaving his mates, walked slowly on with shouldered weapon, its blade blue-glancing. Silently at the gravehead, another coiled the coffin band, his navel cord. The brother-in-law, turning away, placed something in his free hand. Thanks in silence. Sorry, sir. Trouble. 
Headshake, I know that. For yourselves, just. The mourners moved away slowly, without aim, by devious paths, staying a while to read a name on a tomb. Let us go round by the chief's grave, Hines said. We have time. Let us, Mr. Power said. They turned to the right, following their slow thoughts. With awe, Mr. Power's blank voice spoke. Some say he is not in that grave at all, that the coffin was filled with stones, that one day he will come again. Hines shook his head. Parnell will never come again, he said. He's there, all that was mortal of him. Peace to his ashes. Mr. Bloom walked unheeded along his grove by saddened angels, crosses, broken pillars, family vaults, stone hopes praying with upcast eyes, old Ireland's hearts and hands, more sensible to spend the money on some charity for the living. Pray for the repose of the soul of. Does anybody really? Plant him and have done with him. Like down a coal chute. Then lump them together to save time. All Souls Day, 27th, I'll be at his grave. Ten shillings for the gardener. He keeps it free of weeds. Old man himself, bent down double with his shears clipping. Near death's door. Who passed away? Who departed this life? As if they did it of their own accord. Got the shove, all of them. Who kicked the bucket? More interesting if they told you what they were. So-and-so, wheelwright. I travelled for Cork Lino. I paid five shillings in the pound. Or a woman's with her saucepan. I cooked good Irish stew. Eulogy in a country churchyard. It ought to be that poem of whose Is it Wordsworth or Thomas Campbell? Entered into rest, the Protestants put it. Old Dr. Murrins. The great physician called him home. Well, it's God's acre for them. Nice country residence, newly plastered and painted, ideal spot to have a quiet smoke and read the church times. Marriage ads, they never try to beautify, rusty wreaths hung on knobs, garlands of bronze foil, better value that for the money. Still, the flowers are more poetical. The other gets rather tiresome, never withering, expresses nothing, immortelles. A bird sat, tamely perched on a poplar branch, like stuffed. Like the wedding present Alderman Hooper gave us. Hoo! Not a budge out of him. Knows there are no catapults to let fly at him. Dead animal, even sadder. Silly Millie, burying the little dead bird in the kitchen matchbox, a daisy chain and bits of broken chainies on the grave. The sacred heart, that is, showing it heart on his sleeve, ought to be sideways and red. It should be painted like a real heart. Ireland was dedicated to it, or whatever that. Seems anything but pleased. Why this infliction? Would birds come then and peck like the boy with the basket of fruit? But he said no, because they ought to have been afraid of the boy. Apollo, that was. How many? All these here once walked round Dublin, faithful departed. As you are now, so once were we. Besides, how could you remember everybody? Eyes, walk, voice. Well, the voice, yes, gramophone. Have a gramophone in every grave or keep it in the house. After dinner on a Sunday, put on poor old great-grandfather, cra-hark, 
Hello, hello, hello. I'm awfully glad. Crack. Awfully glad to see her again. Hello, hello. I'm off. Cops this. Remind you of the voice, like the photograph reminds you of the face. Otherwise, you couldn't remember the face after 15 years, say. For instance, who? For instance, some fellow that died when I was in Wisdom Healy's. Ritz Ritzter. A rattle of pebbles. Wait. Stop. He looked down intently into a stone crypt, some animal. Wait, there he goes. An obese grey rat toddled along the side of the crypt, moving the pebbles. An old stager, great-grandfather, he knows the ropes. The grey alive crushed itself in under the plinth, wriggled itself in under it. Good hiding place for treasure. Who lives there? Are laid the remains of Robert Emery, Robert Emmett, was buried here by torchlight, wasn't he making his rounds? Tail gone now. One of those chaps would make short work of a fellow, pick the bones clean, no matter who it was. Ordinary meat for them. A corpse. Is meat gone bad? Well, then what's cheese? Corpse of milk. I read in that voyages in China that the Chinese say a white man smells like a corpse. Cremation better. Priests dead against it, deviling for the other firm, wholesale burners and Dutch oven dealers, time of the plague, quicklime fever, pits to eat them, lethal chamber, ashes to ashes, or bury at sea. Where is that Parsi tower of silence, eaten by birds, earth, fire, water? Drowning, they say, is the pleasantest. See your whole life in a flash, but being brought back to life, no. Can't bury in the air, however, out of a flying machine. Wonder does the news go about whenever a fresh one is let down. Underground communication. We learned that from them. Wouldn't be surprised. Regular square fee for them. Flies come before he's well dead. Got wind of Dignam. They wouldn't care about the smell of it. Salt white crumbling mush of cops. Smell taste like raw white turnips. The gates glimmered in front, still open. To the world again. Enough of this place. Brings you a bit nearer every time. Last time I was here was Mrs. Sinico's funeral. Poor Papa, too. The love that kills. And even scraping up the earth at night with a lantern like that case I read of to get at fresh-buried females or even putrefied with running grave sores give you the creeps after a bit. I will appear to you after death. You will see my ghost after death. My ghost will haunt you after death. There is another world after death named Hell. I do not like that other world, she wrote. No more do I. Plenty to see and hear and feel yet. Feel live, warm beings near you. Let them sleep in their maggoty beds. They are not going to get me this innings. Warm beds. Warm, full-blooded life. Martin Cunningham emerged from a side path talking gravely. Solicitor, I think. I know his face. Menton. John Henry. Solicitor. Commissioner for oaths and affidavits. Dignam used to be in his office. Matt Dillon's long ago. Jolly Matt. Convivial evenings. Cold fowl. Cigars. The tantalous glasses. Heart of gold, really. Yes, Menton. Got his rag out that evening on the bowling green because I sailed inside him. Pure fluke of mine. The bias. Why he took such a rooted dislike to me. Hate at first sight. Molly and Flowey Dillon linked under the lilac tree. 
laughing. Fellow, always like that, mortified if women are by. Got a ding in the side of his hat. Carriage, probably. Excuse me, sir, Mr. Bloom said beside them. They stopped. Your hat is a little crushed, Mr. Bloom said, pointing. John Henry Menton stared at him for an instant without moving. There, Martin Cunningham helped, pointing also. John Henry Menton took off his hat, bulged out the ding, and smoothed the nap with care on his coat sleeve. He clapped the hat on his head again. It's all right now, Martin Cunningham said. John Henry Menton jerked his head down in acknowledgement. Thank you, he said shortly. They walked on towards the gates. Mr. Bloom, chapfallen, drew behind a few paces so as not to overhear. Martin laying down the law. Martin could wind a sappy head like that round his little finger without his seeing it. Oyster eyes. Never mind. Be sorry after, perhaps, when it dawns on him. Get the pull over him that way. Thank you. How grand we are this morning.